Welcome to Ask the Ascot. My name is Michael Beck. This is episode 16, Working for the Whiskey Ring. Each week, I take around 10 minutes to answer as many of your questions as I can with the daring do of 50 million Super Bowls. Follow me on Facebook or Twitter at AskTheAscot or email me, AskTheAscot at gmail.com. Send me your questions. I weep without them. Our first question today comes from John, who wonders... Who is your favorite Gilded Age president? The Gilded Age covered the period of rapid industrial expansion in the last third of the 19th century. It runs from 1870 to about 1900. In terms of presidents, they were all eminently forgettable white guys who don't really merit any particular admiration. Any of these guys could have replaced any other with no discernible difference. And here I'm talking about Ulysses Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, James Garfield, Chester Allen Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, Grover Cleveland again, and William McKinley. See, even their names are terrible. The one exception to this terribleness is Ulysses Grant, though he is memorable mostly for what he accomplished before he was president. Grant led the Union Army to great victory in the Civil War. Grant defeated, in the words of the historian Eric Loomis, those who committed treason in defense of slavery. This was monumentally admirable behavior at the time, and obviously remains so in the present day. As president, Grant oversaw an administration that was notably corrupt, even in an age of widespread political corruption. With the distance of time, though, even Grant's scandals sound like a lot of fun. Crédit Mobilier was one. Isn't that just fun to say? Crédit Mobilier! Another was the whiskey ring. Come on. Grant was, in fact, a noted enthusiast of both whiskey and cigars, although he did die of throat cancer. But Grant could still heroically knock it out of the park when he wanted to as president. And he did when he deployed the army to suppress white supremacist violence. Now, Grant was a Republican, and I leave it to my gentle listener to contemplate whether any present-day Republican president would be willing to use armed force to destroy white supremacy. Hey, politics! Grant also wrote an excellent memoir, which I recommend to all of you out there looking for the next top presidential memoir to read. Grant wrote them knowing that he was dying and knowing that his family desperately needed money from the sale of this book. He completed his memoirs only days before he died, and they were a huge success. They were actually published by the most famous American writer of the time, Mark Twain. Our next question comes from Zelda, age 10. Zelda asks, why do humans have to grow up? Zelda, we have to grow up because humans are born so tiny and helpless. A newborn human can't do anything 
other than breathe and scream and produce an astonishing number of stinky diapers. Then, even as they grow up, human beings can't live on their own for a long, long time, although most of us stop requiring diapers eventually. In theory, human beings have become grown-ups and able to live on their own by their late teens or early twenties. But, as we all know from Ask the Ascot Episode 1, Outrunning the Bear, a grown-up is someone who lives in the present, makes a good-faith effort to understand the past on its own terms, and plans as best they can for the future. Now Zelda, many people, maybe most people, never really become grown-ups. There are certainly lots of yatses in their 50s, 60s, and older who are way less of a grown-up than a lot of 10-year-olds. Regardless, let's say it takes a minimum of 20 years, at least, to become a grown-up. That's a long time, because our bodies, and especially our brains, have to do a lot of work to become grown-ups during our childhood and adolescence. During the process of growing up, our brains get to learn so many new things. How to tie our shoes, how to be friends, how to read and write. And later, you'll learn other things, maybe. How to balance an algebraic equation. How to deal with heartbreak. How to drive. But then there are things that we can learn only as grown-ups. Most of those are about dealing with responsibilities so vast and ponderous that they break your shoulders and make it hurt to stand up or sit down. And the things in adulthood that aren't about responsibility are mostly about dealing with rage and disappointment. I know that as a kid you have rage and disappointment, but those things will be harder to correct in adulthood and they'll always increase your insurance premiums as well. But there are some wonderful, wonderful things about being a fully-fledged grown-up. Sometimes you get to genuinely help someone else solve a really big problem as a grown-up. And once in a while, as a grown-up, you might get to pick out the exact pair of shoes that you want to buy, and you won't have to worry about getting a pair that's sensible or that you'll grow into. Zelda, since you realize what's coming, I'm going to send you a book as a treat. And I'm going to send you a certain kind of book, which is called a Bildungsroman. Bildungsroman is a German word, and it's a novel about growing up. The Harry Potter series is an example of Bildungsroman. Now, I have no Harry Potter books. But my favorite book like this is the 1989 novel Billy Bathgate by E.L. Doctorow. It's a book about a boy who works for a gangster until things fall apart. Now, Zelda, I'm actually going to send this book to your mom so that she can hang on to it for you until you're ready for it. And thanks for your question. Good luck out there, Zelda. Our next question comes from Lawrence. Lawrence, your original question had some pretty complicated math in it for a 10-minute podcast, so I'm just going to lay out the gist of it here. Lawrence is cobbling together work from several low-wage part-time jobs to support himself. 
one of Lawrence's bosses recently berated him for not having $10,000 saved up in the bank. So his question is, should I have saved up $10,000 already? Lawrence, I'm going to assume, since in your original message you use American currency and also refer to crushing medical bills, that you are in the land of the free, the good old U.S. of A. Now, I love this country, but one way in which it would certainly be improved is to encourage us to catapult into the ocean a man who pays us 12 bucks an hour and yells at us for not being rich. On the other hand, it seems we would quickly have more greedy jerks than there is space in the Earth's oceans. Mm. Lawrence, your boss is a troll and I suggest that you start preparing your materials to apply for other work as soon as possible. Your boss's lack of human empathy aside, their lack of knowledge of basic finance and arithmetic suggests that their business isn't going to last much longer anyway. And Zelda, if you're still listening, this is exactly the kind of stuff that you have to look forward to as a grown-up. So play as much Minecraft and kickball as you can now, kid. Because the time we're 30, most of us are toiling away in some troll's agony mill in exchange for some rough insults and half a sandwich. I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this episode. If you liked what you heard today, please follow, rate, and review the show wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. It really helps more listeners find the show and share it with a friend. My music was composed and recorded by my brother David. He's on Instagram at DavidBeckNYC. Follow me on Facebook or Twitter at AskTheAscot or email AskTheAscot at gmail.com. Send me your questions. Thanks for asking. Farewell. Farewell.